this scene, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. Greetings and salutations out there, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for another glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast, your humble host, the Ace of Tennessee podcasting, Michael Shibley, with you here. Hope everybody has had a fantastic week. My goodness, it was amazing. Of course, everything got going in the NFL back on Thursday where you had every major professional sport going on at once, which was amazing on one night. And on top of that, you also had college football with Miami and UAB going at it. So it has been great to have football back in full swing, and we will talk so much about that as we get going. And of course, everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. You also had the U.S. Open happen in terms of tennis. And then this coming week, you've got the U.S. Open in terms of golf. And by the way, the finals in the U.S. Open, fantastic You need to check them out if you can check the replay. Of course, we'll talk about all of them with Osaka and TM winning. We'll get more into that later on in the show. But of course, first, let me get in and we're going to talk about everything that happened over the world, especially in the NFL, as of course, that's what moves the needle. It's there. It it brings so much eyeballs and everything to what's going on. And when you look at everything that happened, you can see that now everything has come political. It is all political now. And that's the bottom line, which is frustrating to a lot of us. And it is some people say it's much needed when you look at everything. And I know we've talked about a lot of this before, but you had some different things happen. Because again, this is a different world that we are in. It A lot of things have happened in the four years since Colin Kaepernick first took that knee uh, back again in 2016. So when you look at things from that standpoint, you can see where things are. And it's I know for a lot of people, they want them just to shut up and play, which, by the way, they're not going to do. They have this platform. They're going to use it. So... When you look at all this, you can see what happened over the week. It started on Thursday where you had uh, one of the Chiefs players kneeling for the national anthem. The Texans did not even come out for the national anthem. And even before that, when they're doing the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing, which they're doing at least through week one here of the NFL. But then the both teams stood... Uh, At the 50-yard line, they all locked arms as a show of unity in the fight to end racism and all these different things that they're showing. And again, the Chiefs were one of two uh, stadiums that allowed fans in. There was about 16,000 fans in Arrowhead Stadium. The other team was the Jaguars over the weekend. And you could hear some boos for them linking arm in arm about unity. Now, of course, some people are like, well, it's just because they're fraternizing with the enemy, which I think is ridiculous. And again, people are like, well, it's their belief that they want to show their First Amendment, right? That they're unhappy with what they're doing. But they weren't even protesting the national anthem, which, and again, I'm going to probably say this a couple of times, they're protesting, they're kneeling. It's not about the flag. It never has been. 
if you've paid attention for more than 30 seconds and read more than one news source, you would know that. It's not about the flag. They are trying to bring awareness and they're trying to have this conversation. And I've said this before when we've talked about protests on this program. And as much as I just want to break down sports and talk about the hypotheticals going on just in sports, this keeps getting brought up. And I'm just happy to talk about it because, again, you want to come at me, Michael underscore Shibley on Twitter or the modern, modern, this is a modern show, but it's the Man in the Arena podcast on Facebook and also Man in the Arena podcast on Instagram or, again, on Twitter, it's Michael underscore Shibley. So come at me. You want to debate me on this? I am happy to talk to you and anybody about this. And I'll bring all my sources, you bring your sources, and we will go at it. And it's fine that we have different opinions, but at least then you're having a conversation instead of just people yelling at each other from across the world on social media, which is all this is now, because everybody is just so entrenched, and that's what's happened. You've had – and this, again, this is not about – it's – you say both sides because you have essentially – a group of crazy people on the extreme far right and the extreme far left, probably 5% of the voting population. We'll just use that. But they're the ones that make the most noise, so they're what everybody sees. The other 90% of us fall somewhere in between that, and most of us can get along. But the problem is every instance of everything is now political. Even if you say nothing, people think that you are just either a coward or you have no opinion, which just makes you a terrible person for just not even wanting to get involved, which is weird because you're allowed to do that too, but you don't also have to wrap yourself in the flag. You don't have to do all these different things because again, what you run into, and I have said this before on different iterations of this podcast, that you what happened is you don't have to play the national anthem at the beginning of sporting events it's a very north american thing i know they do o canada up in canada a lot especially for hockey uh they do it for the baseball and the nba when it's there too but it's a very north american thing like the premier league in england they don't play god save the queen when the players are out there and again It's become this paid patriotism that you have because for a long, long time in the NFL, just like in college, players were not out for the national anthem. They were still in the locker room. But then the NFL gets a lot of money from a lot of different places and from the military, from the National Guard, all these different places, and they have the flag, they have troops there, they have all these different iterations of what's going on. And so you bring that and so you wrap yourself in this and that's where you get that idea that it's about the flag even though it's not if you talk to somebody and that's the thing. You get these people that come out there and I will keep beating a dead horse where they kneel or say something or wear a Black Lives Matter shirt or they're disrespecting the flag and if you talk to them and even Roger Goodell – said this on uncomfortable uh, conversations with a black man with Acho on his show, which again, you should go on YouTube and look up uncomfortable conversations with a black man. It's a great show. 
if you look and listen, he even said he knows it's not about the flag. So you just have this segment that keeps getting fanned by certain people in power and it gets frustrating. So you had different types of protests. You even had uh, Duntari Poe, who was the first Cowboys player to kneel during the national anthem. He had said repeatedly that he had planned to kneel even after he'd signed with the Cowboys as a free agent because Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, had just been one of the most outspoken voices against kneeling but acknowledged in recent weeks that he would not issue a policy prohibiting it. So even Jerry Jones has softened on this a little bit. More than a dozen Rams players and coaches kneeled. And then also earlier on Sunday, you had uh, seven uh, teams just stayed in the locker room, and that included the Green Bay Packers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Cardinals. Meanwhile, New Orleans Saints safety Malcolm Jenkins remained inside the locker room during the anthem while the rest of the team was on the field. Indianapolis Colts coach Frank Reich was the most prominent coach to kneel. And the coach said, our intent is to bring attention to this issue of systematic racism and injustice inherent therein. We also wanted to demonstrate a symbolic gesture of how we believe meaningful change happens. To be clear, we are not protesting the flag, even though we all know it's not about that. The anthem or the men and women who wear the uniform. The timing of this action is meant to highlight the presence, power, and oppression of racism remains consistent with the unity and freedoms of what it means to be an American. So again, it's something you pay attention to and... If you have that, you want to have that conversation, have that conversation. I'll have it with you. But you also, of course, had uh, the Minnesota Vikings. They silenced their big, the Viking horn that they play in respect to the members of George Floyd's family who were at the stadium. Uh, the Jaguars remained in the locker room. The Seahawks and Falcons took a knee after the kickoff, which I thought was really good. A majority of the Ravens players kneeled. Of course, there was also, you have people talk about how they stood during Lift Every Voice and Sing, but they kneeled during the national anthem, and they're like, well, why aren't you stand, you know, standing for both or kneeling for both? And it's like, the national anthem is something completely different than Lift Every Voice and Sing. There's a completely different context about the differences there. And again, if you want to get into a socialist, you know, socialism, it's not even the right word. If you want to just get into a idea of everything that's going on and you want to have a personable debate about that again michael underscore shibley so it it's just weird when you look at all this and then you of course you just have people who get so mad and they're like they're just turning off the tv and that is bothered because you the message is there and i've talked about this you listen to you know, watch 13th on Netflix and understand what they're really upset about when it comes to a lot of this and the fact that they have a microphone that they can use. Or listen, again, to uncomfortable conversations with a black man. Read Stamped from the Beginning. There's so many different books. The New Jim Crow. There's so many different things that you can do and research to find out what's going on and why this is happening instead of just listening to a 30-second soundbite. Do some more looking into this and research, and I know you'll feel better about it and at least have an understanding. You still might not agree with it, but you can understand 
what's going on. The Miami Dolphins, I thought, had a really great thing that they said because they were just going to stay in the locker room because they were discontent with empty gestures and just stayed inside for both anthems. Anthems, if I could even talk today, I'm just worked up with everything. This attempt to unify only creates more divide. So we'll skip this song and dance, and they're talking about both the Black National Anthem and the Star-Spangled Banner. They said, we'll stay inside. Uh, And then he said, we need changed hearts, just not a response to pressure. Enough. No more fluff and empty gestures. We need owners with influence and pockets bigger than ours to call up officials and flex political power. We don't need another publicity parade. And again, I think that's a great stance. They have done their research. They, and again, I'm not a black person. So again, when I'm driving in my car, I don't think if I get pulled over by the police, what different things are going to come up. I'm just like, oh, maybe I can get out of this ticket. I'm not thinking about every other thing. I don't have to think about what I'm wearing or anything like that. So those are the things that, people just don't still seem to understand. And again, it's not about the flag. It's not about that. It's to raise awareness for things going on. And meanwhile, you have people on all sides of the political spectrum trying to use sports as a way to gain power, whether it's to show respect for what everybody's doing or just flat out condemning it and talking about how bad ratings are, which, yes, Thursday night did not have really good ratings when it came. It was a very, it was much lower, I think, than they anticipated. But again, I think with a lot of the ratings, I think, again, people have other things going on their mind right now. You are still in the midst of a global pandemic, and you also have a very contested and just not, It's just an unsavory election cycle going on right now. So people are paying attention to other things other than sports. And again, some people might not want to watch shit because they think it's a just a a distraction. It's something they use sports as a distraction and they feel like it's being rammed down their throats. When meanwhile, all this stuff is just happening at the beginning of the game. If you if the game, say, kicks off at 8.05, just wait until 8.15 And guess what? The vast majority of all the protests and everything else going on is over. And you don't have to see it. So you have that. Meanwhile, you have Big Ten country is almost... You're using the Big Ten to gain electoral edge, which is just... it, It drives me nuts that you're dragging sports into this, but it's all political now, as we've seen, because you have... Sport. You have states in the Big Ten, Big Ten states, that are swing states. It's the bottom line. You've got Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, which President Trump won by a combined 77,000 votes, which is about three-quarters of the big house. That's how little it was decided by in those three states. And then you throw in Minnesota, you throw in Ohio. You've got a block of battleground states up there, and you have – the president trying to influence the Big Ten's decision to play football. They had made a decision to not play football in the fall, which we've talked about on this podcast, and there's been a lot of pressure to do that. But you only see them arguing about the Big Ten. 
You don't see them in a big argument about the Pac-12 because those really... Arizona is, so, I mean, there's one state that is, but the rest of the states really aren't up for grabs as battleground states. But it seems like, again, these should be things that people without political power should be making these decisions. It's the same thing with the whole coronavirus, COVID-19, to me to begin with, is you need to listen to scientists and not politicians when it comes to making a lot of these decisions. So you have all of these different things going on, and it's frustrating because, again, you're seeing you're using sports as a political tool to try and swing voters. And by the way, if you are an undecided voter living in Big Ten country and or even anywhere else in the world, and you're hinging who you're going to vote for on whether or not they're able to get the Big Ten to play football in the fall – If that's what you're weighing your decision on, then you have a lot of other things you've got to answer for with why you're not making a choice based on a whole slew of other things out there. And if you are one of those people, hit me up again on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. I would love to hear your rationale for that and why it's based on football and not anything else. Meanwhile, speaking of football, my goodness, we had some great football this first weekend of the season. It showed, I mean, the Texans and Chiefs really played a nice, clean football game. And again, this is week one, but there's been no preseason football in the NFL. So, of course, my beloved 49ers dropping to the Cardinals, which Garoppolo just did not look great in that one. You had the Seahawks dominating the Falcons for most of that game. The Bills looked, I thought, really good, of course, when you're playing the Jets. Who knows? But Allen looked great at quarterback there. You had, of course... The Lions and the Bengals finding, it seems like you would think those two franchises couldn't find any other ways to lose games, and yet you do. Uh, You had Swift dropping a touchdown pass as Mitchell Trubisky comes back with the Bears, but then (laughs) DeAndre Swift dropping a sure touchdown that would have given the Lions the win. You had Joe Burrow playing pretty well, really, in his debut, but you had the poor kicker injure himself while trying to kick the game-winning field goal. It was just it was just a mess when it comes to that. You would think those two franchises, they're so used to losing, they couldn't find any other ways to lose, and yet they do. You had Aaron Rodgers just, again, without any help, really, just go out there and still ball. Aaron Rodgers, still a really good quarterback, You have the Patriots without Tom Brady, with Cam Newton running for two touchdowns, holding off the Dolphins, thought in a really good game. You have the Washington football team winning their first uh, game under that name, beating the Eagles, coming back and beating the Eagles. The Las Vegas Raiders, which again, is still weird for me to say. The Jaguars coming back and beating the Colts. Gardner Minshew was solid. The Ravens just destroying the Browns because, again, I just don't buy into a lot of the Browns hype. But, again, it is week one, which is one of the things I'm going to say here because the Cowboys and the Buccaneers both lost, and they're predicted to go pretty far by a lot of people. It's still week one, so I'm not going to make any huge sweeping judgments. Yes, Tom Brady did throw two interceptions, one of them pick six. But, again, he hasn't played with these players besides Rob Gronkowski – 
very long, so it's going to take a little bit of time, but as I said last week, that's part of the reason I've got the Saints not only winning the division but getting to the Super Bowl. They're still a really good team. Alvin Kamara, I will constantly say Butch Jones completely underused him when he played for Tennessee, and it's infuriating. I'm so happy for him with the Saints, especially because he just got paid, which was great, but it's still infuriating to see how great he is in the NFL and just only did half of that at UT. And of course, the Rams beating the Cowboys in their beautiful new stadium. And by the way, these empty stadiums, I don't have an issue with that because I've seen some of these other games being played in bubbles with the NBA and the NHL and what have you. What's still taking a little bit to get used to is seeing the shot of the empty stadium but hearing crowd noise. That's going to take a little bit still to kind of get used to. You had Ben Roethlisberger looking pretty much like his old self, taking care of the Giants, and Goskowski, the new kicker, for the Titans, redeeming himself after a bunch of missed kicks, getting the game-winning field goal to beat the Broncos as the Titans go up 1-0. So, again, there are things to take away, but again, I'm not going to make any big sweeping judgments because, again, it's just week one. It's all to sit and calm down, and also, it's the same thing with these protests and different things to raise awareness. If you just take some time and see as the season wears on, More people just care about football, especially, hopefully, after November 3rd when, and it might be a week, depending on how the mail-in balloting votes. It might be a week after that, but hopefully things will get back down and we're just back to football fully at that point because everything right now political, I'm still going to watch all my sports because I'm a sports guy. All that stuff is not going to tune me out. I might agree with some of it. I might disagree with it, but I love sports more than I love or or. I love sports more than I do just turning it off because I'm upset and have a different opinion about what other people are doing on on the field or on the court or what have you. So, again, that's my opinion, and you are just perfectly free to disagree with me. It's what makes America such a great country. But we're going to take a break and talk about college football, which had an interesting week as some of the big boys getting back into playing, plus everything else going on in the world of shibbles and bits. We'll talk all about that. You're listening to the Man in the Arena podcast. See you after the break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, all you beautiful people around the world. You hear the music. You know it's time for Shibbles and Bits. And we're going right into college football. It's always weird during football season when I got to push college football back to Shibbles and Bits. But every, so much was going on in the world, especially with the NFL. I had to talk about it there. But it was good to have some of the major conference players back in the thick of things and playing college football it's good to have football back it looks like there might be an announcement on the big tens future coming up maybe tuesday we're hearing we'll see if enough conference commissioners not even conference commissioners school presidents voted to change their votes 
We'll see, maybe starting in October. It looks like Pac-12 might even be looking to play in November. We'll just kind of have to see where that all heads up. Of course, if you check out the Man in the Arena podcast Facebook page or on Instagram or on Twitter, of course, I will put any breaking news there and we can do a quick discussion about it. It's all good. But let's talk about college football that actually happened over the weekend. Um, Really, the Big 12... Not a good start, really. The Sun Belt was dominant, which the Sun Belt is probably top to bottom the worst conference. But my goodness, you had Louisiana going in and blowing out an Iowa State team that, if you listened to me last week, I thought was going to be pretty good. We'll have to see where that all ends up. Uh, again, it's their first game. We'll see where it all shakes out. But it's not a good start for Iowa State. But Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns doing good things there. Arkansas State jumping out and winning at Kansas State in the last second. That was an upset as well. And then you had, again, it seemed like it was the same thing that happened last year and it happened this year. Coastal Carolina beating Kansas. So, again, wowzer when it comes to a lot of these games taking place. The Sun Belt, it was your chance to shine. I tell you, taking out three Big 12 teams, you had four games postponed this past week due to COVID-19 concerns. You had the Iron Skillet game between SMU and TCU. You also had Louisiana Tech and Baylor, Marshall, East Carolina, and then Florida International versus UCF. So you had those. Some of the other games that did take place, North Carolina, Excuse me. Off to a good start as one of the top teams in the ACC taking care of Syracuse. Army continues to impress. Again, they're not playing the top teams, but hey, starting 2-0 and in a big way, I like that. Notre Dame off to a good start against Duke. I did bet on that with Duke staying at plus 21, so I feel pretty confident about that. Georgia Tech, the big upset really when you talk major conferences, with beating Florida State. Florida State, I think, is now 0-4 in their last four Week 1 games. Of course, Tennessee is 0-2, so we'll have to straighten some of those things out. Uh, Clemson, just very businessman-like, taking care of Wake Forest. They didn't cover, but again, they just called off the dogs. It was 37-0 at one point, and they're just like, we're done. So, we'll see. Heading into Week 3, some better matchups top to bottom of course really disappointing that the houston memphis game has been postponed again due to covid concerns but you look oklahoma state finally getting into action taking on tulsa that should be entertaining with the two uh oklahoma teams going at it there you've got notre dame versus a south florida team that could be okay might not be this UCF Georgia Tech game looks a lot more interesting now after what uh, Georgia Tech did to Florida State. You've got a another another disappointing game with BYU and Army being postponed again because of COVID concerns. That was going to be a great match. Uh, you've got just going down the schedule. You got Miami versus Louisville. That's your top twenty-five matchup of the week. That's where game day is going to be at Louisville. Also, the Commonwealth Cup has been postponed between Virginia and Virginia Tech because, again, COVID concerns. So it's going to be interesting to see how many of these games are going to be able to take place. You've got Wake Forest taking on NC State as NC State is finally getting into action. But, of course, next week 
You've got the SEC taking and kicking off, and I'm going to have our friend Trey Pack back joining the show, uh, talking about all the great things going on in the world of SEC football as they kick off in week three, if you want to call it that. I don't even know at this point, but that's what I'm calling it. So there you have it in the world of college football. Meanwhile, You've got in the NBA, the Eastern Conference Finals are set. The Celtics taking on the Heat. Game one happening tonight, probably as this is going out to all you beautiful people out there. The Celtics just, again, taking care of a really good Raptors team in that game seven. And then you have the Heat, who just pretty much blasted the Bucks, even with Giannis. So they're going to raise a lot of questions on, are the... Buck's going to spend some money, go over the luxury tax to maybe keep Giannis happy and get that championship there in Milwaukee. Meanwhile, you've got the Lakers who just took care of business in their series against either, at this point, the Nuggets or Clippers. Game seven tonight, I thought it was going to be the Clippers. They were up 3-1, and the Nuggets refused to die. So there you have it. Uh, I still think the Clippers are going to win. I might be out of my mind, but we're going to go with that. Meanwhile, you've got one team in the NHL in the Stanley Cup Finals already, and that's your Dallas Stars. I believe I had that. The Dallas Stars knocking out the Vegas Golden Knights four games to one. Meanwhile, Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals taking place tonight, as well as the Tampa Bay Lightning are up three games to one on the New York Islanders. I believe, again, I had it with Tampa Bay going in uh, and winning that one. So we'll have the full pick of the Stanley Cup Finals whenever that gets going, of course, on this fine program. But let's talk U.S. Open real quick. My goodness, Naomi Osaka just, again, being a charge of social justice and talking about so many different things and being a leader on and off the court. She cemented that with a great just comeback win in the finals of the 2020 U.S. Open. And again, she was playing Victoria Azarenka, who knocked out Serena Williams. Serena Williams won the first set, I think 6-1, but then she had some ankle problems and some Achilles issues. That's why she's out, I think, of the Italian Open coming up next week. But uh, Serena took care of business or wasn't able to take care of business. Victoria Azarenka, a a former uh, major winner as well, and she went up 6-1 over Osaka. But Osaka came back and won 6-3, 6-3, going away. She was able to do that. She, of course, for all seven matches, she had a mask with a different name of a different person who had been killed as a result of racial injustice or police brutality. She was able to wear all of them. It was just amazing. Hats off to Osaka being a great leader on and off the court. She channeled uh, her inner Kobe Bryant. She said just winning, uh, and she said she would wear the jersey every night just to kind of comfort her and channel the Black Mamba when it comes to getting the win. Uh, Osaka was a point away from falling down into a 3-0 hole in the second set, but she was able to get out and work her opponent and win. So again, I was so happy for that. I've always liked Osaka, the fact that she's won two U.S. Opens now, and of course she's also won an Australian Open. That's great. We'll see what happens at the French. But again, a phenomenal final there on the women's side, and the men's final was just as awesome. Dominic Thiem, he rallied from down two-set deficit to defeat Alexander Zrev to win in a fifth-set tiebreaker. So Thiem fell... uh, to Zrev 
two six four six. So he's down o two, and then won six four six three, and then seven six in the tiebreaker for his first Grand Slam title. It was amazing to see. He was the two seed, twenty seven year old from Austria, and of course. Nobody really thought he had a chance to win, even as the two seed, until Novak Djokovic, as I mentioned uh, last week, got himself DQ'd because of stupidity of hitting a ball. But great tennis there at Flushing Meadows, even without a crowd. It was just amazing tennis. Catch the replay if you can. That was just some great stuff. Uh, Some other interesting news in the world of sports. Peyton Manning continuing to be the class act and making us all proud to be from Tennessee. He has his uh, scholarship endowment charity, the Payback Foundation, spelled P-E-Y. He founded it with his wife, Ashley, back in 1999. He has endowed six scholarships uh, at HBCU schools, four in his home state of Louisiana and two here in Tennessee, where he played college, of course, for the mighty Big Orange. And it's just good that you're endowing these schools. You've got them at, of course, Grambling. You also have it at Tennessee State. And you're put, and he's putting them under names of people like, again, he put it under Doug Williams' name there at Grambling, being, of course, uh, the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins. Harold Carmichael, a former Philadelphia Eagles receiver, and 2020 Pro Football Fame inductee was also named on an identical endowment at Southern University. Meanwhile, you have Wilma Rudolph, who's someone who needs more recognition. She already gets a lot, but I think she needs more, to be perfectly honest. First woman to win three gold medals in the Olympics in 1960. Her name is attached to the endowed scholarship at Tennessee State. You also... Yeah, Fisk University in New Orleans, named for the late Dr. Revis Mitchell Jr., a 40-year history professor who was frequently consulted on African-American heritage. You also have Xavier University of Louisiana for Dr. Norman Francis, and then at Dillard University here in Nashville, Tennessee for Dr. Michael Lomax. So again, Peyton Manning doing great things and partnering with these colleges to help expand education to a lot of people who might not be able to get it. So these are great scholarship endowments. I love everything about this. Uh, Cowboys Dak Prescott got a lot of news this week because he talked about how he had felt anxiety and depression during the offseason, first for his uh, brother who committed suicide, and then you have just, again, the coronavirus pandemic, and he's talking about it, and then you have certain people in the media who don't think that that's a good thing for f- to have in a leader, which is like, no, 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 mental illness is a part of a lot of people. It's more people than you know. And as I've said many times on this program, people suffering from mental illness, it's okay to not be okay. Reach out for help however you need to. Get that help. And Dak Prescott being a voice out there and showing again that people in high places suffer from this. It's not just you. There's a lot of people. So again, follow Dak Prescott's leadership. Don't take stupid people in the media who have dumb ideas and antiquated ideas about what it means to be tough and to be a leader. Follow what Dak Prescott is doing. And also on some uh, annoying notes when it comes to things, uh, we talked about this on another episode of one of my podcasts. I don't even remember which one at this point. But two-time Olympic champion Caster Simeona, she lost her long legal battle back last week 
against track and field rules that limit female runners with naturally high testosterone levels. Uh, I'd mentioned this before. She had naturally high stuff, and they had said you cannot, uh, with differences with sex development. Uh, she cannot defend her 800-meter title at the Tokyo Games next year or compete in any of the top meets in distances from 400 meters to a mile unless she agrees to lower her testosterone level through medication or surgery. This is not something that she did. She's not going through a transition, nothing. It just naturally occurs in her body, and it's disappointing that they had to make this rule. It's not that she's doing this intentionally. She's not taking testosterone. It's just very upsetting to see, and I'm disappointed in this ruling. Just let her run. It, it's just really sad to see that, and I, I wish they would think differently, but they're not, and we'll see where it all ends up. Um, in a happier note, to end shibbles and bits, uh, Pau Gasol uh, and his wife Cat they honor the memory of their former teammate Kobe Bryant and his family by naming their firstborn daughter Elizabeth Gianna Gasol. Uh, the former Los Angeles Lakers big man announced on Sunday part of those championship teams with Kobe. It was amazing, uh, and they're making, uh, I believe, they're making uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, widow Vanessa. Uh, is going to be the goddaughter, which is amazing. But again, Gianna, uh, Kobe Bryant's 13-year-old daughter, was among the nine people who died back in that helicopter crash that took Kobe Bryant's life back on January. So that's just a wonderful and touching thing to do, and it's great to see all of that. So happier notes there to wrap up Shivels and Bits. Let's dive right into the world of professional wrestling real quick as we go through things, we have a new NXT champion, Finn Balor, won over Adam Cole, baby, in a great match last week on NXT television uh, because Karrion Cross separated his shoulder, so we had to relinquish the championship. They had a four-way match, which had Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano in it as well, but it ended up in a tie between Adam Cole and... And Finn Balor, Finn Balor getting the win and being back on top as a, another two-time champion in NXT. So we'll see where they go. With that AEW, over 1 million viewers for the first time in their ratings. Of course, since NXT was on Tuesday, AEW was by itself on Wednesday. Hopefully more of those people stay because, again, AEW is just putting on some fine quality wrestling programming right now. So I'm excited about that. But of course, what I'm really excited about is the greatest tournament in all of professional wrestling is underway and starting underway in Japan. It's the G1 Climax. It's a round-robin tournament. You got two blocks of 10 wrestlers each. They face each other in a round-robin format in their block. You get two points for a win, one point for, I believe, a 30-minute draw. Whoever has the most points out of each block face each other in the finals. The winner gets a championship opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom in January in the Tokyo Dome. I love this tournament. They tell so many great stories throughout it. You've got the A block with the likes of Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, uh, Jay White, you've got Minoru Suzuki in there. It's just going to be amazing. If I had to pick out of this, meanwhile, over in B Block, I've got to say, you've got Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, uh, Will Ospreay. Uh, no, he's not in it. He's in the other one. It's Zack Sabre Jr. I looked at the wrong picture. You've got Evil. You've got Toru Yano. So many others in there. We'll break all of this down. 
I'm going to go because it seems like this is where they've been leading with them as tag team champions briefly. I'm going to go with Kota Ibushi facing Hiroshi Tanahashi in the final. I think both of them are going to win their blocks. We'll see where it all goes. All that competition gets underway. I think Kota Ibushi is taking on Okada on night one, which is just going to be amazing. And then we'll see where it goes from there. But I love the G1 Climax. It's so incredible. It's great to have these wrestlers in there. And it looks like you're getting some of these British wrestlers back in there. And also uh, Juice Robinson back in as well. So it looks like some of the travel restrictions are uh, at least being allowed for some of these guys to get in and take, uh, just go for it in the G1. That's going to wrap up this great episode of the Man in the Arena podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And of course, listen to my friend's podcast, Sagas and Shenanigans, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that myself and Mrs. Shibbles are a part of, as well as next week's guest, Trey Pack. We're all in it. Look for that wherever you get your fine podcast. Also, of course, check out some of the other beautifully done podcasts, Geeks Inherited the Earth. It's great. Also talk about uh, BRB, AFK, is another great one. So tune into all of those with my dear friends who do all of those great podcasts. And of course, wherever you get your fine podcasts, including this one, like, subscribe, share. Give us those five-star reviews. I would love you forever if you do that. But until next week, I love you guys. Too sweet. Adios.